One more note before we get into this podcast, everyone. If you have not yet rated or reviewed this podcast on iTunes or wherever it is you listen to podcasts, I would greatly appreciate it. Keeps this podcast free of charge for you, and it keeps me in the top of the search results so that it will continue to be free for you for hopefully years to come. Uh, So if you can, if you have not yet, a quick five-star review will go a long way in helping me out. All right, let's get into this Super Bowl edition of the Ride In NFL DFS podcast. Officially made it to the end of the NFL DFS season. Welcome, everybody, to the last episode of the Ride in NFL DFS podcast of the 2019-2020 NFL season, brought to you by Fanshare Sports. The action does not stop at Fanshare Sports. Get on over there. Check out all their golf tools, their NBA tools, uh, to help you keep winning year-round in daily fantasy sports. Okay, so this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Um, Some action-packed information for you, um, coming at you from multiple aspects. We're going to do, you know, some sports betting, uh, talk about the spread and total of this Super Bowl matchup. We are going to talk about the player props, some prop bets, um, you know, some, some novelty, exotic props as well as some actual player props that stuck out to me. And then also obviously talk showdown, how you can create unique lineups and what players might be able to get you to those unique lineups. Okay, so the two main strategy points that I'm going to tell you to do on this showdown slate, um, maybe three, is the first one before we get even... Uh, started with the actual strategy is you're probably not going to want to fire single bullets in a showdown slate. There's just way too much variance, way too many things that can happen. You could be dead on the first play of the Super Bowl, um, and that's not what you want to happen, right? Unlike a main slate, right, uh, whomever it is, let's say, for instance, Kiki QT, off the top of my head, catches an 80-yard touchdown on the first play of the game, you're still alive, most likely, because he's probably not high-owned. He's probably under 2% owned. And there are a host of other players at his price point that can probably hit you know, that 15-point range. Um, or at least come close to it to negate the fact that that play just happened at 102. On a slate like this, you know, if Miko Hardman catches a... 80-yard touchdown or maybe returns the opening kickoff and you don't have Mikko Hardman in the Chiefs defense in in any lineup or in the one or two lineups that you made, it's over. You might as well just start firing away at in-game sports betting props because there's going to be enough lineups that have that combination uh, to kick you out of the money. So what I'm getting at is I think if I were you, I would make between you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, even 150 lineups. Maybe even this is a good week to try the 50 cent 
150 max. Uh, that would only obviously cost you $75 uh, to try out, try your hand at creating 150 lineups. Um, I would only suggest that if you subscribe to a site that allows you to generate 150 lineups. Uh, but basically, I, I wouldn't uh, fire any single bullets or three maxes in this. I mean, you can create 20 to 30 lineups and put them in a host of different three maxes and single entries. That's fine. But I'm, what I'm saying is don't let all your bankroll on this slate ride on one or two lineups. The second thing to uh, give you an advantage on this slate is to leave some salary on the table. Now, that is a common uh, strategy in all DFS sports, but is it absolutely crucial on a Super Bowl showdown slate like this where there are hundreds of thousands of lineups being entered and with the way salaries shake out, there are only a few ways that you can land on exactly $50,000 of cap spent. And I'm going to go as far as saying I would I will not be putting in a lineup this week that completely zero zeros out the salary cap just because it'll be so supremely heavily extremely duplicated uh, that you probably won't even get a solid return on your investment if you tie for first because uh, it's probably going to be with hundreds of people and uh, you know the ROI will probably be relatively small compared to having a unique lineup so I would just rather spend or I should say I would rather not waste a lineup even if it might be the winning lineup uh, I would rather use that lineup to be a little bit more unique and leave salary on the table. Now let's talk about how much salary. Um, there have been showdown lineups where the winner has left three, four thousand dollars on the table. Um, I think the average in two, uh, in twenty nineteen was somewhere around forty eight two was the winning lineup. So really, it's not just like a normal NFL main slate where you're, you're you know you're using forty nine six or forty nine seven or forty nine eight. You need to, you know, really think about it. You need to, uh, if you're setting lineups through a generator, allow that generator to create lineups that are two, three, four thousand dollars lower than uh, the total cap, and it's fine. It really is, um, just based on the few amount of players that we have to choose from, and the the way variance can hit in a single game. It is very likely. Uh, that the winning lineup will not be in the 50K neighborhood, um, may not even be in the 49K neighborhood. So allow yourself to leave a ton of salary on the table. And the second point is going to be make sure that your lineups correlate. Most of your lineups correlate. Um, On a single-game slate, obviously correlation is huge. On a 12-game slate, a 13-game main slate, um, there are so many players at every price point that you can definitely find nine singular players that go off um, on the slate that aren't correlated. On a small slate like this, obviously the correlation is much more important because every player on the slate is pretty much correlated with each other because it is only one game. So it is very important to correlate your lineups, especially around the captain. Um, And I don't know if that is the way that 
most of you think about it, but that is the way that I think about most of my lineups. Um, I correlate them around the captain, right? So if, let's say, Tyreek Hill is my captain, what is going to happen in this game if Tyreek Hill has 10 for 150 and 2? Obviously, you would think about it that way. Because if you hit the captain right, that kind of dictates what the rest of the game script or game flow will probably look like. I said most of my lineups will be correlated because, as I said, as I think I've said the word about six times already on this podcast, these single game showdown slates have a lot of variance in them. Oftentimes, there will be some type of weird shakeout where um, receivers are in the optimal lineup and their quarterback is not. It happened to me when I took down the King of the Beach on a Monday night showdown slate. I had Juju Smith-Schuster as my captain. I had Deontay Johnson as uh, a flex, but I did not roster Mason Rudolph. And it just so happened that the the way the salary shook out, I didn't need him. James Conner went off. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a little bit cheaper, and he was good enough. Just Mason Rudolph just did not fit in the optimal lineup. And it worked out. You know, I, I qualified for the King of the Beach, and it was on a very screwy lineup that didn't have the exact correlations that you would expect. So when I say correlate most of your lineups, you know, if you're running 20 lineups, make sure 15 of them are correlated um, pretty well with the game script. And then you can get a little funky, um, uncheck some of the rules in the other five just to make sure that you have some bases covered. And it's okay uh, in showdowns to hedge lineups, right? So you don't have to have all uh, of your lineups scripted as a projected shootout. You know, you can make 10 lineups that are uh, a Chiefs blowout win, five lineups that are a 49ers close win, and then five lineups that are, um, you know, like a slugfest 17-13 finish. Whatever it may be. Um, You don't have to uh, stick to one game script within a slate. Okay, so now that we have those rules down, let's talk about um, correlating each each captain. Let's talk about what players I will be looking at to be overweight on in my player pool and maybe some players that we could be a little bit underweight on because they might carry a ton of ownership. Okay, first things first, Patrick Mahomes. What to do with Patrick Mahomes, he is 12-6. He is by far one of uh, the most expensive players on the slate. He is 1,600 more than the next most expensive player, Tyreek Hill. Okay, so if Patrick Mahomes is going to be the captain, what is going to happen around him? So you have to think about this. Wide receiver and running back scoring is much more generous. They get points per reception on DraftKings Showdown. So, you know, if Terry Kill, for instance, when he blew up in week 10 against the Titans, he went for 11.57 and won, he had 36 DraftKings points. In that same game, Mahomes went for 446 yards and three touchdowns, uh, as well as uh, no rushing yards. And he only scored 32 DraftKings points. So... For Mahomes to be the optimal captain on this slate, which I probably am going to avoid, I don't think that it's going to happen where Mahomes is the captain. I think that's where we can get a little bit of leverage because I think a lot of people are going to click on Mahomes as their captain. For Mahomes to be the captain on this slate, what's going to happen, have to happen is 
he's going to have to do one of or both of these things. Spread the ball around, right? So every receiver is going to need to have like a five for 60 in one game. So Kelsey, Hill, Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman, maybe um, Damian Williams. A few of those players are going to have to have one touchdown apiece and not a ton of receptions, which could happen. He could spread the ball all over the place and nobody really hits a ceiling, uh, but he does based on the accumulation of all those stats. Or Mahomes uh, runs the ball a bit more than normal. Uh, in the last two games, he did. He had 53 uh, rushing yards, in, I believe, in both games uh, so far in the playoffs, which is not like Patrick Mahomes, actually. He's only gone over 50 rushing yards a few times this season. Normally, he is a pocket passer, though he is a he does have some mobility. So what's going to have to happen for Mahomes to be the captain is he's either going to have to you know score some rushing touchdowns or spread the ball out to the point where none of his receivers go off uh, and they just help him accumulate a monster stat line. Could that happen? Sure. Am I counting on it? No. I think that uh, you know Tyreek Hill, Damian Williams, and Travis Kelsey have a better shot at being the captain because they just have a better shot of smashing a, a ceiling projection, and additionally, they are much less expensive. Okay, so what happens if one of those players are in the captain, right? So if Damian Williams is in the captain, there a few things could happen. He could luck into some touchdown variants, you know, score three or four touchdowns, kind of like Raheem Mostert did last week, and then Mahomes probably isn't in the, the optimal lineup. Uh, maybe one or two of the receivers are... Maybe Mahomes throws him a two of those passes and Mahomes does, Mahomes does sneak into the optimal lineup. So these are the kind of things that you have to ask yourself when you're creating these lineups. If it's an absolute shootout, who is going to be in the lineup? Obviously, we're going to try to get in as many offensive players as possible. You can you know, try to drop down to someone like Debo Samuel or Sammy Watkins as the captain and hope they just go over. 100 for a touchdown, and the fact that you have a, a fairly cheap captain or a middle-of-the-road captain um, allows you to fit in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, you know, George Kittle and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And that is the way that the, the roster construction is going to shake out. If it's a complete grinded-out, you know, 49ers defense, figure something out, and the Chiefs are having a hard time scoring... Garoppolo is misfiring, throwing some picks, and it's a shootout. You could probably get in one of the defenses, maybe one or one of the uh, the kickers in this game. I would advise against, and I would probably set a rule if you're if you're generating lineups, not to have multiple kickers and multiple defenses in the same lineup. Right, their ceilings just aren't high enough for them there to be multiple of each in your lineup. So I think we know all of the players that we're not going to check off in our player pool, meaning like we're not going to exclude them. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Damian Williams, Travis Kelsey, Raheem Mostert, George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, Sammy Watkins, Tevin Coleman if he plays. Um, and that's probably where it ends for me. Um, all those players are going to be 100% in my player pool. Then it gets down to... Uh, some of the players that we can check off, like all the way at the bottom, probably aren't even going to get on the field. And if they do, 
it's going to be potentially for a few snaps and nothing's going to happen. So we have Daniel Helm. He's a backup tight end. You can uncheck him. Uh, Daryl Williams is on IR. You can uncheck him. Tight end named Winchester. I've never even heard of him. Um, he has not even played uh, a snap, I don't think, uh, this season. He's in the player pool. You can uncheck him. So you can go down to the bottom here and uncheck these guys that just aren't going to get into the game. Um, then there's some guys who you could probably have a sprinkling of, right? So Richie James, he does a lot of returning. I wouldn't mind pairing him up with the Niners defense in case he hits one. Ross Dwelly, he gets in on some two tight end sets. He really hasn't seen a target, though, in a few weeks. So I think you could have a very, very low smattering of him. Um, I would probably go as, as low as, you know, Blake Bell. He um, was pretty popular. He was in the optimal lineup last week, uh, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago against the Texans. He has seen, over the last, you know, six or seven games, he has seen multiple targets in all but two games. So I could see at 800 him, you needing Blake Bell in your lineup to get to the optimal lineup. And it's not because Blake Bell goes off for 20 fantasy points. It's because the way roster construction works, you need someone under a hundred or excuse me, under a thousand dollars to roster the other five guys that blew up. And Blake Bell is the best option because he catches two passes for 30 yards. And those five points are enough to separate him from the, the really low dollar uh, plays that are the options for you to get into that optimal lineup. Um, one player that I think I'm going to be a little bit underweight on is Emmanuel Sanders. And it's because he is in no man's land as far as a price goes, as far as salary goes. He is currently $5,200. Uh, the p- position player above him is Tevin Coleman at $6,400. And the position player Below him is Kendrick Bourne at $3,400. So there's some, some kickers and defenses and backup quarterbacks in there. However, you know, from $6,400 to $3,400, there's one player, Emmanuel Sanders, queen of the galaxy, Emmanuel. So what's going to happen here is he's going to carry a ton of ownership. I can guarantee it. Anybody who, has, who lands on a lineup that has $6,300 or less left is probably going to pick Emmanuel Sanders. Um, anybody who lands on a lineup that's under $5,200, which is Emmanuel Sanders' lineup, you know, if they have $5,100 or $5K or $49K left, they'll probably slot in Emmanuel Sanders, be over the cap, and then adjust something else. So I think based on the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is in this, this range where he's like the only skill player in a $3,000 range, he is going to be heavily owned. And, you know, I mean, in the playoffs, he has only seen three targets. So he's definitely a fadeable play. Um, I can definitely see him, you know, going for five, a hundred and a touch. But I think I will, you know, set my maximum exposure to Emmanuel Sanders uh, as about half of what his projected ownership is just so that I'm underweight. Uh, and I think that could be a huge edge, especially in contests where, you know, there's going to be a lot of fish money, a lot of, you know, let's just fire up DraftKings because it's the Super Bowl and, and throw in a lineup or two just so that we have something 
to watch for. <clears throat> I think you're going to see a lot of Emmanuel Sanders in those lineups. So I think he is a good underweight or even full fade play. Let's take a look at some players that we could potentially be overweight on. Um, obviously, George Kittle has not had the best postseason. He is only $8,400 as a flex play, which is pretty astonishing. You know, he, he saw five targets against the Vikings, went three for 16. He saw uh, one target against the Packers, went one for 19. Now, in both of those games, the Niners pretty much controlled the game handedly. Um, for the most part, right? They were in control. They were running the ball. I mean, especially last game, Raheem Mostert had 30 carries, um, was basically breaking off 10-yard runs every time he touched the ball. So they really weren't in a game script where they needed George Kittle. If you want to put Kittle in the lineup, just make sure that he correlates with the rest of the lineup. If George Kittle is going to go off in this game, it's going to be because the 49ers defense couldn't stop the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey and Damian Williams have had success. Uh, do not pair. I, I would probably exclude uh, too many lineups from having Kittle and Raheem Mostert. Uh, it seems as though they are pretty negatively correlated. If, Mo if Mostert's ripping off touchdown runs, obviously that is less to go around for Kittle and the passing game. But I think a huge edge in this game is going to be rostering George Kittle uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Garoppolo threw uh, eight passes last game, which is absolutely insanity, and only really 19 the game before that. So he's thrown 27 passes in two playoff games. I think the Chiefs put it on the Niners a little bit more than the Vikings and Packers could and, you know, Garoppolo's forced to throw a little bit more. Kittle, Samuel, even a little bit of Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Kendrick Bourne are more involved. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for this episode. I really didn't want to get too much into the plays that I liked or plays that I loved or lineups that I was going to make just because it's a really small slate. There's only about, you know, 20 to 25 players on this slate that you can even roster so for me to t go through and give you a core four or tell you exactly who I'm playing I feel like that was that's disingenuous you know answers to the test type thing but just a quick recap you want to leave salary on the table and enough of it uh, don't be shy to leave two three thousand dollars on the table in some of these lineups because it'll make your lineup unique and it very well could be the lineup that hits optimally. Um, there have been lineups this season that have left multiple thousands of dollars on the table. Zero out your lineup with $50,000 is something that I would absolutely not do. You know, Make sure that no lineup spends all the cap because it'll be super duplicated. Make sure that most of your lineups correlate, right? If Patrick Mahomes is your captain, as we talked about, that probably means he ran some touchdowns in or he spread the ball around. So if you're going to make a lineup, I would either make it with very few pass catchers and, and say that, you know, he ran in uh, two touchdowns in this game, you know, extremely variant outcome. But Patrick Mahomes might be the only offensive player that you need from the Chiefs, and that might be what makes your lineup unique. Or the other option is he spread the ball out a ton and everybody has four or five catches and a touchdown. Uh, then you might need four pass catchers in your lineup. You know, you might need Demarcus Robinson, Mecole Hardman, Damian Williams, and Travis Kelsey in a lineup. 
with Patrick Mahomes uh, as the captain and then, you know, uh, Kyle Juszczyk or something like that. Uh, so just make sure you are correlating around a story, but leave some lineups for a limited correlation, right? I, I mentioned I, I've taken down showdown slates before with uh, a very funky non-correlated lineup to Pittsburgh Steelers pass catchers without their quarterback uh, qualified me for the king of the beach. So it is possible. It does happen. So hedge some lineups, hedge game scripts. Don't put all your eggs in one basket with a captain or with a specific game script. Make sure you have an out no matter what happens in this game because we really want first, second, or third, right? We don't want to have 60 lineups in the green, but they're all, you know, two, three, or four Xing. I mean, that's great, but the ultimate goal is to be top of the heap. And in that case, all you need is one bullet. So make sure your lineups uh, cover all of the game script. Not cover all the bases as in play every player on the slate, but cover all the game script bases for sure. Limit the amount of you know kickers and defenses, multiple kickers and defenses that are in your lineup. You can absolutely play one or the other, uh, but you know, a, a lineups that have two kickers or two defenses probably aren't going uh, to be the optimal build. Also, don't be afraid to roster really cheap players that only might accrue two, three, or four fantasy points because the way the construction of the optimal lineup works out, all you may need to do is hit on the right six, eight, or $1,000 flex play, um, which enables you to get to the other four or five players that absolutely explode and you know even though that $800 player like let's say Blake Bell catches two passes for 30 yards those five points might all might be all you need from that cheap play uh, because it lets you get the other five absolute monsters okay so now let's get into some of my favorite spread total and prop bets Um, I looked through a bunch of different sites, you know, DraftKings, Sportsbook, FanDuel, Sportsbook, some offshore stuff, and a few popped out to me. Uh, A few solid um, prop bets popped out to me. First, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, and being that the line is only one, one and a half in most places, we probably can uh, safely bet the Chiefs minus one, minus one and a half. Uh, Really like that that line. I don't love either side of the total. Um, I could see this game going under. I could see this game, you know, going over. I mean, a 28-21 game probably won't happen because, you know, there's always some type of weird missed extra point or stall stalling in the red zone that creates field goal attempts. But let's just look at it this way. A 28-21 game, that's seven touchdowns scored. Uh, A pretty back and forth game. And that is an under. So even though there could be fireworks in this game, we could still see this game go under, uh, especially if teams are stalling in the red zone. I could see it. I, I could see it the other way too, um, and that's why I said to build, you know, showdown lineups with multiple game scripts in mind. I could see this game shaking out to be, you know, a forty-two twenty-eight game, a forty-two thirty-one game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if both offenses just march up and down the field on each other. Um, mainly because the Chiefs are such an electric offense that I think they can overpower San Francisco's defense, and the Chiefs have a little bit uh, more weaknesses in their defense, and that could allow for the Niners to have some success as well. 
So I think I'll be laying off uh, the total. I would probably lean towards the over, um, but I definitely like the Chiefs with a minus one, minus one and a half total. Other prop bets, Mahomes under 29.5 rushing yards. Here's why. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be on the over, and I think this prop is higher because he's run for 50-plus yards in the last two games, and I think four games overall this year he's, he's eclipsed this total. However, the Niners play mostly zone defense, and what has happened this, to the Niners this year, they have been beaten by mobile quarterbacks. Uh, or at least mobile quarterbacks have had statistical success against them. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyle, Kyler Murray twice, Russell Wilson twice. Um, but what, ha- what has happened, though, aside from Lamar Jackson, because he did run for 100 yards on them, um, what happens is because they play zone defense, their defenders are facing the line of scrimmage, right? They have eyes on the quarterback, kind of uh, guarding, protecting their zone and kind of reading the quarterback's eyes to see where he's going to go with the ball but also when he takes off all those defenders see that right in man those players are running with their receiver often have their back turned and don't see what the quarterback is doing Um, they're kind of guarding their man playing their man's eyes and playing their man's cuts out of their routes so that allows for Mahomes to you know run the ball a bit more that would allow for Mahomes to run the ball a bit more if he's playing a man defense Against the zone defense, everybody's facing the line of scrimmage. A little bit tougher to escape the pocket and run for some yards. What will happen, I think, though, and this is what this is how Wilson and Kyler Murray had success, is if he does evade a rush and escape the pocket, he will end up firing downfield before he gets past the line of scrimmage. Because in his own defense, you know that makes those players commit. A lot of players will come off their man and commit to stopping Mahomes on the run. Uh, a lot of players will, you know, stop dead in their tracks, lose their man in their zone uh, because Mahomes is out of the pocket and scrambling around. So I think what we're going to see in this game is even if Mahomes does escape the pocket with his mobility, he ends up, you know, pulling up and firing downfield because the zone defense is a little bit discombobulated with him leaving the pocket. So I like Mahomes under 29.5 rushing yards. I like Blake Bell over 7.5 receiving yards. Basically, you're just saying that Blake Bell needs to catch a pass in this game, and I think that is something that can absolutely happen. Um, As I mentioned, you know, only in two of the last uh, six or seven games he has seen less than two targets. So I think Blake Bell over 7.5 receiving yards is big and a pretty decent um, prop bet. Demarcus Robinson over 1.5 receptions. In the two games this playoff, uh, Demarcus Robinson has two catches in one and one catch in the other. The game that he had one catch uh, against the Texans, he absolutely dropped three or four passes. He, I mean, he honestly could have had a four for 80 and one stat line in that game. So I think Demarcus Robinson over 1.5 receptions is a viable um, prop bet as well. In addition, penalty for roughing the passer. I believe this was on Bodog. Uh, Yes is plus 105. With the strict roughing the passer 
penalty uh, rules that we have adopted in the NFL over the last few years, I can really see uh, a roughing the passer. I think it's a coin flip. I think it's a yes or no. Um, no had a ton of juice on it. So I think yes, plus 105. You're getting a little there. You're getting a little plus EV. I think yes to roughing the passer is a decent prop bet as well. Um, and then punts under 7.5. If you're like me and leaning the fact that I think this game is going to go over its total, you know, I think there's probably it's probably going to be something like a 34-27, 34-28 type game. Uh, I just think that I, I can't see eight punts in this game, especially with the way the Chiefs offense plays and with the way the Chiefs defense um, gives up rushing production and can probably be had by this 49ers offense. I think there's going to be too many points scored, number one. And it also, you know, we have two pretty progressive coaches in terms of going for it on fourth down. We're not going to see any weird, like, John Gruden punt from the 40-yard line type stuff, especially in the Super Bowl. Um, so any short yardage across the 50, we're probably not going to see a punt. I like the, the under uh, of 7.5 punts in this game. And then the last one is a novelty prop. Demi Lovato, over two-minute national anthem. She sang the national anthem at one of McGregor's fights a few years ago. And she sang it in 2.12, I believe. Um, it was about 12 or 14, 15 seconds over the two-minute mark. So I like Demi Lovato, over two minutes, national anthem. Um, two minutes is usually the average I know Kelly Clarkson sang it in like a blur, like 130. So did Billy Joel. Um, it's a tough one because, you know, Demi Lovato's young. She probably is a little nervous. But I think, you know, the, the song is usually sung in about two minutes. So, and her, she has historically sang the song in over two minutes. So I think I will go with over two minutes on Demi Lovato in the National Anthem. Okay, that will do it. This is the last podcast for the 2019-2020 season. Uh, I'm sure I'll have some off-season podcasts with, you know, some trends and statistical stuff uh, that happened throughout the 2019-2020 season. But as for attacking a slate, obviously this is the last podcast. As I mentioned earlier, please rate and review if you have not. Uh, helps me out a ton to you know get my podcast bumped up on the search features on the different podcast platforms. And it, I come to you with this information at no charge. So I would greatly appreciate some reviews and rates on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I hope everyone has a very profitable, enjoyable Super Bowl Sunday. Good luck.